This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, dear radio friends. How in the world are you? Oh, I'm fine, thank you. My heart is filled with the blessing of the Lord, and I'm just so glad to be back with you. Bless your heart. I've just been praying that God would put his love and his power and his truth into every word I say and even into the tones of my voice. You can certainly tell what kind of a person someone is by the tone of voice, can you not? I'm always aware of that, and I pray that God may make my voice a blessing as well as the words that are said. We're looking at the 23rd Psalm. We've come now to the end of that Psalm, the sixth verse, where David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How good God is. Goodness and mercy. This is the combination that you have in Almighty God as he deals with you and with me in his uh, love and in his merciful provisions. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in his way. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. Jesus said to the young ruler, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Paul speaks to the unrepentant sinner and says, Despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Now, I've just run through a few verses that uh, are listed in the back of my Thompson Chain Reference Bible under the heading of the goodness of God. He's good and upright. That is, he doesn't make any mistakes. And he teaches sinners in the way. There's hope for you and for me, poor sinners that we are. We're, We're imperfect and we make lots of mistakes, don't we? Mistakes and shortcomings and failings and uh As we come up before a holy God, we have to depend upon someone that is good. He's good. And he's willing to teach us. He's willing to teach us. Then it says, the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Wherever you you look, wherever you look, you find evidences of a good God. You find out for yourself when you taste and see that the Lord is good. Personal awareness of God's goodness. How do you find that out? You trust him. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Psalm 34, verse 8. You find out how good God is when you start to trust him. Have you learned that secret yet? You can't stand around and just discuss these matters, but you have to trust God. You have to have an experience of him in your life to find out how really wonderful your Lord is. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Years ago when I was working at Scripture Press as vice president and and distribution manager, I guess they called it in those days. I think that's highbrow for sales manager, if I'm not mistaken. In any case, 
we had uh, we had a consultant in there from Booz Allen and Hamilton in those years, and uh, he he was a very smart man, I must say. Today, uh, a good many years afterwards, it's well over a quarter of a century now. As I look back upon that gentleman, I I, I know that he he was remarkably gifted in his field. Uh, well, anyhow. We were studying some marketing problems, and I ventured to remark to him one day, I said, Mr. So-and-so, you know, you amaze me at the, with the skill uh, by which you seem to zero right into the heart of a problem and, and work right at it. I said, it certainly is, is, uh, is remarkable to me. And he looked up at me. He always called me reverend. He liked to jab me a little bit about the fact that I was trained as a minister, not as a businessman. He said, well, you know, Reverend, he said, when you, when you get to these marketing problems, you can't sit there and study about it. You got to have been there. <laughs> Not very good grammar, but the truth is there. You know, you can talk about God all you want, but you'll get to understand his goodness, beloved, when you start to trust him. Ah, yes, there it is. So then what? Well, he says, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knoweth them that trust in him. We were talking about trust. Now it comes down to the pressure points of life. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. How good is he? He's so good that you can hide in his presence when the pressure is on. Oh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall walk and not be weary. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. You can hide in God. He, our God is a is a hiding place. Thou art my hiding place. The psalmist said in another place. God's presence and God's promises. We have the writer to the Hebrews says as an anchor for our soul, steadfast and sure. He's a stronghold in the day of trouble. What is a stronghold? A stronghold is a place you can hide where you cannot successfully be attacked. Stronghold. The goodness of God turns out to be demonstrated in your life when under the pressures and threats and troubles uh, and wars of life, you find that you can go to your heavenly Father and hide in him. Rock of ages cleft for me, let me hide myself. In thee, let the water and the blood from thy riven side which flowed be for sin the double cure. Cleanse from uh, wrath and make me pure. Yes, he's a stronghold. Then he says, God's goodness extends not only to the person who's doing the right thing, but to the, the rebellious or the ignorant who are out of the way, devisest thou the riches of God's goodness and forbearance and long-suffering. Goodness here is linked with his patience and the fact that he's willing to wait until you are willing to listen. The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Surely, he said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, how does this work out in everyday living? Admittedly, you and I face circumstances and relationships which by no stretch of the imagination could be called good. Your little child is playing on the sidewalk and thoughtlessly, as children will, he turns his, his bike or his tricycle out toward the street 
and uh, is struck by a passing car, injured. And you look at that little hurt body, and your heart just breaks. And the, you have a combination of, of, of heartbreak and love and anger, rage, really, and fear. What if? You know, and it all just sweeps over you. And somebody comes along and says, well, the Lord is good. Is he? Why did he let that happen? You say in anger. Yeah, I know. I've lived a while, and I know I've been through some of these things. And when the experience hits you, it's hard for somebody to get through to you by saying that the Lord is good. He doesn't seem to be very good when everything is falling apart, when your heart is breaking, or when some precious child is hurt or ill or dying or whatever. You've worked for a corporation for 30 years, and now there's a merger, and you're informed one day that as a result of the merger, you're out. You started working for them when you were about 25, and 30 years now, you're 55. Who's going to hire you at age 55 in a new job? Not many people are going to hire you at that age. And you know it, and you think soberly and bitterly, really, ah, they did it to me. Yeah, they, they merged, and they made their money, and they brought in their buddies, and somebody else has got my job and, and I'm out, and who's going to hire me? And what about the future? And what's going to happen to me? Where is God in all this, you say? Now, can you reconcile those traumatic experiences of life, the kind that we all have from time to time? Can you reconcile that with this statement, God's goodness, surely goodness and mercy, shall follow me all the days of my life? Here's a couple of thoughts that we ought to lay out so that you can just sort of think about them and chew on them and meditate on them after the broadcast is over. Number one, you take God as he is by faith. You don't try to reason him out. You can a man by seeking find out God? The ancient ask. The answer is no. You don't reason your way up to God. You take him by faith. Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Two things you and I take by faith. One is the very existence of God, and two, the goodness of God and the fact that he's doing the right thing with us. You discover that you have cancer. Does that have anything to do with the goodness of God? You take by faith the fact that God is good and that he doesn't make any mistakes, even though your body is racked with pain. You discover that your little child has a, a, a visual defect that keeps him from seeing properly and that it cannot be helped by surgery or any other kind of therapy. And you're, you, you're, you're bitterly think, why should that happen to that little child? He didn't ask to be born this way. Is God good? Yeah, you take it by faith. You don't reason from your circumstances to God. You take God by faith, and then you look at your circumstances through the love and mercy of God. Can you, can you encompass that, that concept in your own mind? He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God is taken 
not by reason, but by faith. And your faith in God depends not upon how you feel at any given time, but upon the blessed fact that he is God, that he is on the throne, that he doesn't make any mistakes. Second, there is a master plan for every one of God's children. I know the thoughts that I think toward you, the Lord says, thoughts of good, not of evil, to give you a desired end. God has a master plan for each life. And most assuredly, it does include some tears, some hurts, some heartaches, some discipline. Whom the Father loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son that he receiveth, says the writer to the Hebrews. And so there's discipline for every one of us. And out of the hurts of life and out of the, the disciplines of life, we learn to love our Heavenly Father more. I remember one particular spanking I got as a small boy. I must have been, I suppose, four and a half or five. Funny how you remember some of those things. I remember that. My father took me in the bathroom, laid me over his his knee. He had an 18-inch walnut ruler that he had for such occasions. And he applied the Board of Education literally to my bottom. And it, oh, it hurt. <laughs> and I cried. But I knew I had it coming. <clears throat> this this was a well-deserved uh, spanking. I don't remember the occasion anymore, but I knew I had it coming. And so, finally it was over, mercifully. But I remember this. After the spanking, I remember putting my arms around him and, and with my tears looking up and saying, Oh, Pop, I love you. Somehow or other, when God leads us through the chastening, beloved, there is the birth of genuine trust and love in our hearts. Goodness includes discipline. So I meet you once again by way of radio. Walk with the King today and be a blessing.